Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. I'm Amy DeCesare, and I'm along with Kathleen Monroe, and we're here with episode two of Better Family Travel. Kathleen, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Are you really great? You just heard that your child's school was canceled. (laughs) For tomorrow. We are going full virtual tomorrow, so my head is spinning, and I'm doing my usual catching up on all the little pieces we need to plan for at the last minute to make tomorrow happen while school and work happen simultaneously under the same roof, which is a difficult thing to do, but we've done it before, and we'll do it again. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I think a lot of the chaos that we're all going through right now, there are some crazy parallels for the stay at home that we're doing and the having to juggle and meet the needs of so many people within our household. There are some parallels that I see from going on a trip and traveling and making sure that the bedtime for the two-year-old and the fact that parents don't necessarily want to go to bed at seven o'clock at night and how do we all survive in that hotel room and make <laughs> Make it work for all of us. But I think, although we are not going to delve deep into COVID right now, we are going to talk more about our better days of travel. You're going to lead us off and talk a little bit about why you wanted to start Better Family Travel. Uh, with you, joining it with you. I wouldn't have done it without you, Amy. <laughs> some of our conversations and our shared experiences have really given me some new insight into what better travel is both mentally and enacted in reality. I really wanted to join you in better family travel because I think that the story of my mental roller coaster is one that many people can relate to. And I think that talking about difficult things is important to relieve the perception of failure that a lot of people have, but I don't think is admitted or addressed in a more public way. You know, there's a lot of things that we go through that's a common experience that are the less savory experiences of humanity. And it's only when you go through something and you confide in somebody and say, I had this really difficult time and someone says, me too, that you go, oh, I'm not alone, right? I consider myself a yes person. And I think that's why you and I are such good friends. You seek out yes people because you are an adventurous person and need partners in crime in those yes responses, right? You're laughing. I see you. (laughs) When I was in high school and I had the chance to travel to Indonesia and Hong Kong, I said yes. I was 16 years old. I said yes. When I was in college and my hiking club said, hey, let's scale Mount Washington in the wintertime, I was like, sure, I can do that. Yes, right? And I did, and it was amazing. 17 or 18 years ago, my agency asked me if I could speak Spanish and start doing speech therapy with Spanish-speaking children, and I was like, yes. And then I desperately brushed up on my rusty language skills, which developed into the amazing career that I have today, among many other situations and opportunities that I've been willing to dive into. So I know I have the ability to take on new challenges and to face the unknown. That's part of who I am. But then I had kids. And for some reason, I found it very, very hard to venture out with them. And I know or, and I knew at the time, this is not the case for everybody. Suddenly the things that I would have done in a heartbeat seemed overwhelmingly inaccessible. I mean, I had a hand-me-down hiking backpack for my son. We took him out for hikes once in a while. And I love looking at those pictures because I'm like, hey, look at that time. We went on that hike when he was really little. (laughs) But once number two and number three came along, I felt, for lack of a better word, trapped. I feel so negative to say trapped. I felt really bad about myself. And as I watched other people post on Facebook about their plane trips with their babies, as they went to visit family, I mean, my family was within driving distance. So putting the kid in the car seat and getting there was not a difficult and unachievable endeavor. But I saw other people with babies, my kids same age is getting on airplanes. And I thought like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do the things that were I single or just married? I could just like, absolutely like sign me up. I'm buy me that plane ticket. I'm on my way, you know? So I wonder sometimes if 
there wasn't an element of anxiety or depression that mingled in there. My son was a preemie and he was eight weeks early. And my husband is a protective warrior, which I appreciate about him. And I think I sank into a space of safety because his birth was pretty traumatic and I was comfortable in our safe space for quite a while. And I think I needed that to cope with what we had been through. But I was so hard on myself, Amy, like, you know, being a smart and for what it's worth successful young woman, you know, I just could not stop being hard on myself. Um, even after the other two babies arrived, I felt like I let myself down with travel. I felt like the people who knew me as an adventurous person, like, oh, Kathleen's off on another, you know, big backpacking trip. I felt like I was letting those people down who knew that I was always off somewhere on a weekend, you know. And worst of all, I thought I was letting my husband down because I thought that I should be making magic happen for my family because that's what I should be doing. I mean, really, really hard on myself. And I know I'm not alone. I'm wondering how many people are feeling what I'm saying right now because the Facebook culture is really dangerous. We tend to post those smiling pictures and those successful things, but we don't always post the pictures of our kids tantruming and the pictures of ourselves crying behind closed doors, right? I mean, it's that's been, that's been addressed before and there's research six ways to Sunday about how social media can be really damaging for your self-esteem. So I was totally wrapped up in all of that. And I have, I haven't really talked a lot about, I haven't talked to anybody about how I felt like a failure as a traveler. Cause I just kind of kept my chin up like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I looked it up and there's a, there's a thing it's called the parenthood paradox or the parenthood gap where you have this expectation that children are going to bring you joy. And my whole life, that's what I wanted to be a parent. I had, I even cut pictures out of magazines. Oh my goodness. I knew there's so many people who did exactly what I did. I was pregnant and I was cutting out pictures of me with, uh, with not me, but pictures of women with, with travel strollers and jogging strollers. I was like, this is going to be me. And this is going to inspire me to get back into shape. Like I had an idea of what I was going to look like as a parent and that included traveling with my kids. And it just didn't materialize taking the kids to a foreign country is one of those super high expectations that I had for myself and it hasn't happened yet. I am almost 13 years into being a parent and we have not left stateside, but I've learned a lot in the last 12 and a half years. And I cannot lose sight of the fact that there has been some traveling and vacationing that we have done. And I think that I deserve to give myself credit for what it is we have accomplished, given how stuck I really felt. This is like looking at the glass half full, right? This is what it looked like for my family. When we had just one kid, we went to the beach, probably Rocky Neck, because that was like the one beach I knew how to get to. It's being at the beach gave me that sensory memory. I'm sure everybody has that. Like, oh, it's, I remember being at the beach as a kid. I spent year round going to the Cape because that's where my grandparents had lived ever since I was very, very little. We vacationed there and then they moved there. So Cape Cod was a place that meant family and travel and happiness, all that stuff. So going to the beach this one time was like, hey, I've been missing out on going to the beach. Maybe this is something we should do. So we did. We took our first vacation when he was 13 months old to Cape Cod. And we loved some parts of that trip, but we were absolutely slapped in the face, stunned by how hard it was to drive a long distance, sit in a restaurant, just sleep at all with a toddler. And quite honestly, we did not enjoy that vacation very much. <laughs> he woke up at four or five every morning. I would put on these random commercials to see if it would get his interest, but he was a 13 month old. That was not interesting him. And I had just, just weaned him from breastfeeding, from nursing. He wasn't feeding anymore, a 13 month old. I had just weaned him from nursing and I was so mad at myself. Like talk about being hard on yourself, right, Amy? Like you nurse a baby for 13 months. Congratulations. That is a huge feat in and of itself. Here I am giving myself a hard time. You shouldn't have stopped because you could have quieted him down. Like I can't just give myself a break that this is a hard time with a toddler. I even thought to myself, how, how bad would it be just to try it again? Like maybe I can reintroduce this and we can just keep him quiet in the middle of the night, like 2, 3 a.m. We all know hotels are not soundproof. So I'm mortified that my toddler is making a ton of noise 
in the wee hours of the morning. He wanted absolutely nothing to do with me. So that was not successful. And for anybody else who's had positive breastfeeding experiences, I've had both negative and positive experiences. But, you know, for those of you who have had positive breastfeeding experiences, I know that you can relate to the feeling of frustration and the additional feeling of failure and rejection. So here I am like, let me try this thing that used to work. And then it, it didn't anymore. And I had lost one of my, what would you call it, Amy? My like, not my magic powers or my, my, my. Your, your trick and your, I don't want to say Mary Poppins bad because Mary Poppins didn't do that. But I mean, that's really, it's one of your mom tricks. It's it just, was gone. It. it was gone. I had nothing. I was like, I can't even take my kid on vacation. This is miserable. Like I said, we enjoyed very, very little of that experience. <laughs> Kathleen, I'm going to stop here there because I know that there's more that you want to talk about, but there's so much to unpack in what you've just said. So if it's okay, can we just yeah. pause right here and kind of go through some of this stuff and go a little deeper? First, you know, I, I just want to give our, our listeners, our, our Better Family Travelers, a little background on you and I. We've only known each other two years now, right? A little over two years. Yeah. I, I moved in across the street, but the street is a busy highway. So it is not something that you just wander across. And we met because I I only have one neighbor. I have a cornfield on one side and a neighbor on the other side. And when we moved in, our our neighbor, who is a dear friend now to both of us, told us that she was relocating at the time her plan was to relocate. So she has children the same age, but but the lifeline she gave me was, oh, there's this woman across the street. So that's me. <laughs> I send you a random text with the new neighbors moving in, moving, you know, we've moved into the house across the, the highway, you know, street, busy, you know, rural highway, but still not something that you're going to just keep running back and forth across. And I, I send you a text say, Hey, person, I don't know. I moved in across the street. I have three children. I hear you have three children. Would you, random person, like to come bring your children over to my house and come swim in my new pool? And you responded, yes. Because yes. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> and you came over and it was completely chaotic. And we still, because we are trying to chat and become friends because apparently we needed each other. And we have six children running around. Uh, your your daughter almost, I don't want to say uh, hung herself because the rope wasn't around her neck. But... Ankle from your swing set. Yes. <laughs> yes. We had my littlest in the pool and all the chaos. And we kind of wrapped it up really fast. It was a quick visit. And we're like, so do it again. And we're like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it was not Facebook worthy at all. <laughs> it was not something you post, but that that's the root of our friendship. Our friendship is coming together in that chaos. And I, I just wanted to put that scene out there for our, our travelers out there, our better family travelers, so that they know when we're talking about that's, that. This is who we're our, working with. We're working yeah. with little cyclones and we ourselves are cyclones, right? I, I'm constantly thinking about 4,000 things at once and I'm half functioning all the time, though I like to put together... I like to put forward a put together presentation for the general public, but really I'm a disaster. My house is a disaster. My brain is a disaster. Like if I haven't showered, I'm going to brush my hair. So you don't know I didn't shower. <laughs> like I don't want anybody. And you um, love me for that. And I love you absolutely. for having kids that are constantly planning and running around and mingling with my kids and you're creating plans for our next get together while we're still in our first get together. And this is what we do. We're go, go, go. All the and time. you say yes, which is why I love you. It's, it's we've, we've talked about this in, in some of our follow-up conversations from that first meeting about the idea of baseline. Yes. Personalities and baseline. No. And the thought behind this is when someone asks, do you want to, before you even hear what's next, have you diverted to yes? Or is your immediate thought, no? And I don't know that one is right or wrong, but understanding where your baseline and where you're coming from, do you want to, where do you go to? And I think where you go to on that, do you want to, your baseline, forms a lot of everything that follows. Because if you're at baseline, yes, then you have expectations like you've talked about of what you think should be happening. And maybe if you have baseline, no, you don't have those expectations, but you don't have momentum on your side either. 
And again, neither one is, I think, right or wrong. It's how we're made. It's how our brains function. I'm not a psychologist. Maybe maybe this is a thing. Maybe it's not a thing. It's my theory on life that they're baseline yes and baseline no. And I, I think when you're talking about that change of early on where your younger self-experience was baseline yes, and that's what you expect you talk to about, you know, can you do this? Can, you know, do you want to do this? And it was yes, yes, yes. And then you have children and you have young children. <laughs> and there's, there's some, I don't want to say disconnect because it's not, but there's a tension between your expectations, your baseline and what you're able to do, how you're able to meet the moment, right? Well, what do you think about the fact that it's possible Somewhere I'm thinking I'm answering yes for more than one person now. If I say yes, sure. it's yes for a group of people and maybe their willingness and their coping skills and their expectations might be different than mine. And that's a huge responsibility to take on to yourself to, to bring everybody else along with you on this spontaneous ride, you know. So let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself a leader or in your just day to day as a Pre-kids, pre-husband, if there's a group, are you the leader in the group? Are you alpha? Are you the beta? Are you somewhere in between? Who are you in that group? I'm a leader. <laughs> You're the leader. I'm okay. a leader. So as mom and as organizer of the family, there's a need to lead. And, and of course, with your husband, your partner, your spouse, whomever the other leader of the family is. But I'm, I'm wondering that that leadership role, are you, I, and I know you, so I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this so I, our listeners can also get to know you. You aren't one to put your will on other people, which is a good trait, right? Like you're, you're not, we're not like, well, there's Kathleen the authoritarian. So, so what you're getting at is the fact that there are two of me and I, there's the teacher me and there's the leader me. <laughs> okay. I think that the teacher me does try to look at other people in their areas where they need to grow. And I try to do my, I try to do my part to send people in that direction because that's my job. And so, you know, at home, I took that totally fully from head to toe. I had children and was like, these are my new students. I'm going to grow these people. And it wasn't instead of being, I'm going to lead this committee. I'm going to run this meeting. I'm going to, you know, be the best at the best that I'm doing at whatever. This was like, oh, I now have to put these people ahead of me. And so at home, I definitely have a different philosophy and attitude than I do when I'm in my, when I wear my professional hat. It, it's funny because both of us have leadership roles at work at this point. We've grown into our creative leadership roles at work. And I've been in meetings where we talk about I love to read and I read all sorts of books on all different topics. And I remember a few years ago, there was a, a meeting, a training at work where they asked, you know, what was our favorite management book? And quite honestly, my favorite book on management was also a parenting book, which was obviously not a, mar <laughs> a, a, a managing book, but it's, it's, it's about motivating people. So whether you're a parent, a manager at work in dealing with people, you certainly aren't going to treat your employees like children and you're not going to treat your children like like team members, but it's it's a team atmosphere. And I think over time, there's there's overlap in some of the skill set on managing people, but also letting, you know, the people be them creating the scenario where you give people the opportunity to be their their best selves, whether or not they choose to take that opportunity, whether it's at work or at home you try to create the opportunity and give them the skills. And after that, you know, there's only so much you can do. And of course, when it's your kids, it's a little more frustrating because you're so much more invested, but with a team, it's the same thing. And so I don't want to go too far down this road because I know that's not what this is about today, at least, but there are so many themes in what you said that I think really speak to a lot of people, but I want to go back to, to, to more of what you said and talking about your expectations and then the reality of having small children. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I traveled earlier with you than you did. 
in all fairness, my mom lives three hours away. So my first trip was to my mother's house. And we did stuff. We had to figure out how to get there. But we traveled for a freaking nap because we were tired. And we were <laughs> certainly happy to put a 10-day-old in the car if it meant that there was a couple hours of sleep at the end of the road. And whatever it took to get there, we would figure it out a- along the way. So we had a different reward at the end of our first trip than you did. But that expectation, I remember... Early on with my kids, when my kids were little, you know, the the, the little, the, the babies and, you know, you talked about, you know, how your oldest was, was, was a preemie and the different expectations and the small victories of even just getting out for a hike. And for me, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, I had my day-to-day battle. So mine wasn't as much about vacation, right? My day-to-day battle was I'd get up early. My husband would get the kids ready for work. I would say goodbye. But I would get out the door by 6, 6, 15. I had close to an hour commute. And I would get to work, work all day. I'm, you know, nose to the grindstone so that I could walk out the door at 4 o'clock, semi-beat the traffic through the city to get back to my house, which is on the, you know, the other side of of Hartford, and get home. And now I've got a lo- many hours away from my kids who my whole life, all I wanted to be was a mom. That was the most important thing. I wanted to be a mom and, you know, driving into work. I'm thinking about getting home to them. I'm getting in early so I can get home to them. I'm working through lunch so I can get home to them. I'm scheduling my meetings in my day so I can get home to them. I leave at four o'clock so I can get home to them and I get home to them. And all they want to do is have me sit on the couch and hold them. And oh my God, it was torture. And I don't know exactly why, but it was torture. And I felt lazy and that this is it. Like I should be doing more. I should, I should be, I should be, I should be fill in the blank, but I should be. And so like you for travel, that was my day to day. And my escape was at least planning the trip to get going because I couldn't figure out the day-to-day. I could not master the day-to-day. And every morning I'd get up and every morning on my ride to work, I'd be like, today's going to be better. Today, when I get home, I'm going to be that mom I want to be. I'm going to. Today is going to be different. When I come home today, the unpacking, the backpacks routine will be different. My response to their energy will be different. They don't know that that's my expectation. The kids don't know that I'm like, today is going to be different. And they're just the same people that they were yesterday. And so nothing really does change. Although I have changed some of my own reactions and hopes that things will change. But that's setting up an expectation for yourself. It's very, very hard. And I think setting up an expectation that you're going to plan a trip that everybody is going to enjoy equally (laughs) is very, very hard. Changing what you're expecting out of your experience might allow you to enjoy the things that are successful. And I think that, you know, both of us through our experiences with our kids and our trials of, you know, this trip worked, this one didn't, this one didn't, this one worked. You know, I my third child, I left the house and went to the play area in the mall where the kids all climb and they drool and they sneeze and they cough and pick their nose and like smear it on the slide. The place that when I was a first time mom, I was like, I have never taken my kid to the play area at the mall. By the time my daughter was 10 days old, 10 days. I was like, let's go to the play area at the mall. And there we went. So my, you know, my expectations for myself as a parent and for them changed a lot also as I experienced what was working and what wasn't working. And I had to make choices about what I thought was enjoyable, <laughs> not enjoyable. That evolves over time. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about those early trips, it sounds like your early trips were a, a single hotel room with you and, and your husband and your, is that right? You're in the one room. Do you see me cringing? It was horrible. It's still horrible. We still, to this day, have mostly vacation with all five of us in one hotel room with two yep. beds. <laughs> and let's face it. That's probably the most affordable way to travel yes. for many of us. Well, you know, it's not it's, just, just to stick this in there. It is an affordable way to travel. There's two things we're going to be talking about in upcoming episodes. One is the F word, right? 
the family of five that yes. can't travel in a world of families of four. That's one topic that we absolutely have to cover in a future episode. But the other is the things that your kids remember and make memories about living, staying in one hotel room with five people is horrible. I'm not going to even pretend that it's great. But when you ask my daughter what one of her favorite traditions is about traveling with a family, our family, she says, sleeping in a cot in the hotel. She looks forward to the cot. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, that's the thing? I think there's a lot of that because a lot of our early trips and still some of our trips, again, that family of five in the, ho- the single hotel room, but many of them are still that because that's the most affordable way. Our, our family, we, we aren't a family of unlimited funds, but we do want to go places. And so I think there's a there's a few different things there is one recalibrating our expectations for what a family in a hotel room looks like versus you and your you and your when you're childless you and your you know boyfriend fiance or you know honeymooning spouse spouse in a hotel room is a far different experience right yeah. and so <laughs> The first thing is recalibrating what it's going to look like, because it certainly isn't going to look like the, the previous experience that that is is long since gone. But much like when you first have kids, I think, you know, I always tell new moms like those first six weeks are, are tough. Just, just you, know, you can't judge parenthood by the first six weeks. They're, they're transformational because you get no sleep and life is crazy. But then you settle into some kind of a newer normal. You gain a little more experience. The, the children learn, you know, the, the baby's sleeping a little bit better and things, it, it doesn't go back to normal, but it gets better. And, exactly. and isn't that what this is about? It's getting better. It's, the it's first not going to be. It's like you said, the first, right? six, it's not, it's the first six trips. You have to go on those first six trips to figure out that transformational, okay, this is what is making our memories. This is what our expectations can be. This is what's working and not working. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing could be, so you just have to do it. You just, you have to take those trips, whether they're day trips, hour trips, if you have the luxury of an overnight and there, there could be some benefit in not making them long trips so that you get the practice in right? Because it's still the same experience. You only get so much of a learning curve if you go seven days in the hotel room or one night, you're still going to get that first trip experience. But the pain point might be a whole lot longer the early trips with kids if you have to stretch it out in the hotel room. And, and you may not have that choice, but it is something to consider. Are shorter trips potentially better trips, especially when you're first getting started? I think that's a great point. Kind of things I kind of wish I had known back then. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... I don't criticize myself as much anymore for not making my kids worldly travelers because I have finally adjusted to the fact that our repeat trips have created successes that I didn't expect. Those unexpected traditions that have popped up that like the cot (laughs) and other little things that are so meaningful. You shared a whole bunch of your childhood memories about traveling in the first episode. I realized that my children already have those kinds of memories just from some of the trips that we've taken and they're not to another country. And, you know, it's still a goal of mine and I feel confident that eventually we'll get there. But the repetition of some of the trips that we have made have created traditions that have made us that family unit that I did always dream about. So I'm able to kind of step back and say, hey, you know, I I did achieve an unexpected goal. I have inside jokes with my kids and I have family traditions that I hadn't planned on. And it's so cool to see that it happens. So if you're a new parent with your first one, two, and even three (laughs) kids, and you're just venturing out into these trips, know that the more you do it, these things form. They're, they're, They're like crystals that grow over time. It happens incidentally, and it happens, and you can't plan it. You can't plan where that crystal is going to form. I can't plan the fact that my kids are going to absolutely enjoy taking the picture in the car in the driveway as we all wave, hey, we're on our way to our vacation. That's one of the things that they just can't do without. It's not a big deal to me, but now it is because it's a big deal to them. And that's become... It doesn't matter where we go. Are we going to France or are we going to Cape Cod or are we going to Vermont? doesn't matter. If we take that picture, that's a tradition that we can say we've done it and it begins the trip in a meaningful way for them. It, it's so funny because when I, even up until probably a year ago, so it, it's just something I've really kind of re- started to rethink. I 
crazily defined success for my travels for the kids or or, or I set a goal. I wanted to take them to all 50 states. Like I bought a map. I we're going to chalk it off. We're going to go to all 50 states. Of course course I did. Of course I did. Why would it be less? But I've put the map away and here's why it was too much pressure. It was a check the box type thing. And I found that I lost being present in the current trip and the current experiences because I was planning, how do we get, how do we check the boxes for everything? And so as I slow down and although we still travel, I mean, go lots of places and go same places and different places. For me, my, my new mantra is the reality of maybe it's just aging. I'm not going to be able to do everything I want. I can't. It's not possible. The world is too big. There's too many places to stay. But that that panicky, anxious, have to get it done feeling is starting to get replaced with an enjoyment in the moment and that I've chosen and the the mindfulness that comes with the choice of where I choose to spend my time, whether it's going to repeat destinations, whether it's new experiences that it was a matter of choice. So Amy, you're really good at making the most out of little, little moments, like the check the box stuff. I just, my, my memory went quickly to what was that library you went to that crosses the border? So you were like, we're going to get you to Canada. Was that it? Was it the Canada, United States? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to make it happen anyway. (laughs) Don't fool anybody. Any of you listening, do not let her fool you. She's still going to get it done. And she's amazing. Ask her for advice. on if you have a question on how to get something done, ask her, she'll tell you. (laughs) All right. So tell us about the library. (laughs) (laughs) But, 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 but it's, it's true that there's only so, so much you can do. So celebrate the the little things, whether it's go on vacation, you've gotten there, but I think there are some tips, you know, we've said, you just need to start. You you can't, the analysis paralysis and the fear of it not being perfect. You have to let go. You have to forgive yourself. And you have to change your mindset because it is going to be different. Travel with family is absolutely different than travel as a solo, um, travel with, with, you know, as a couple, it's, it's something you're, it's brand new. You may know how to check in at a hotel, but for instance, one thing that I've looked at when, when we go to a hotel, one of the most important features, you know, and I know you're going to say pool and pool is, pool is a close second. It is. But my most important feature for sanity for a family of five is a continental breakfast. And, <laughs> right? Is that crazy? It is, it is. But here's why. We don't all wake up at the same time. And if I have nowhere to take take the people waking up, it's absolutely miserable for the people who still need to sleep. But the continental breakfast... <laughs> And it doesn't cost me anything more, right? I'm like, let's go down and get you a flipping muffin. Let's go. We're going to put our... So I. If this is just the tip that I've come up with. What I do, we we have to keep our sneakers by the door. That's that's the rule so I can find it. That's a sanity thing. Smart. Like when you come in, your sneakers go by the door. So we have a, a, a set place for our shoes. Yep. So I don't have to go searching for everything. But I know, and I'm the early riser in the family. I'm going to be the first to bed. We all know that. Like I'm like out and they're all going to be up but i take that early morning hit because it's just that's how how my biology works i i'm more alert and awake in the morning and you know something that i can feel comfortable going i'm not going to go get changed i'm not going to do anything else you know i'm i've brought a hoodie sweatshirt that i can you know something you know my my sweatpants or whatever else but i have that ready to go i actually get that ready the night before so that whatever child or couple kids that are up early i can get them out and it, it buys probably 45 minutes for an hour for the rest of the family to just get that extra sleep and that crankiness of whoever else is going to get up. And then by then, usually the sun is up because usually the first kid's up before the sunrise and everything else. And we can slowly explore, you know, <laughs> and I can get my coffee because honestly, I need my coffee. And you're right? feeling, you wake up in the hotel room and those thick curtains are closed and you peel back the curtain and you look and you hope and you pray, please let me see the sunlight. And you just see darkness and you think, damn, 
It's so fun. I know. Until breakfast. That's brilliant. That so that it really That's is brilliant. as much as the kids want the pool, and and usually it's you can find both that. that you can find. It's oh yeah. So the pool, there's nothing gonna do at six. But you can feed them, and they're less grumpy. And then by then, you can bring food back to the room. You get more people fed. You start to slowly get going. So as a family traveler, do not if you're gonna be in a hotel room, do not underappreciate them feeding you and having a place to feed the kids in a separate space in a separate let's, space it doesn't cost you where well, you have to order and pay and tip and everything else let bookmark divide and conquer as another topic for an episode because i think some people are really good at dividing and conquering and i think some people might still be at the phase where they're thinking togetherness is the name of the game and oh, you know God. that might that might work for certain personalities but i think for a lot of our families forcing you all to do the same thing at the same time does not make for a pleasant experience so divide and conquer might be another very relatable topic for the future absolutely and you know i think this is really turning into where we can carry this into another episode for because i know there's more you want to talk about about the value of what you guys have come to what i let's I let's do. talk I do about that it. and let's not rush it no i think i think i would like to talk more in the, um in the future about what happens on repeat vacations and repeat trips and some of the unexpected discoveries that you can make when you do the same thing over and over again and how you can kind of branch out a little bit that makes every trip new. Because for somebody like me who was dealing with anxiety and self-doubt and self-criticism about, oh, you're not taking your kids to a new state. You're going to the same place and the same hotel, no less. You know, I knew what worked and I kind of stuck with it because it was affordable and everybody enjoyed it for the most part. But I had that feeling like, wow, I'm really not enriching my kids. I did learn over those repeat experiences how to add tiny little things that opened the door for spontaneous experiences that have made some of my most favorite memories of all time. And nothing really could have prepared me to value what we did if I had known it was going to happen ahead of time. So it's part of the fact that it was a, it was spontaneity in the familiarity that made it such a treat, you know, like, oh, wow, this is something we've always done. And then there was a hidden gem there. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Time for a question from Ask BFT. Time for a question. It's time for our segment we call Ask Better Family Travel. And we have some um, traveler's questions. Kathleen, do you want to read today's question? Amy and Kathleen, should we put our kids in the kids club in the resort if the resort or the cruise offers it? I personally am very curious about your response to this question because I have been afraid to separate myself from my children for a very long time. And when we talk about divide and conquer, like I mentioned earlier, you know what? I think sometimes the adults need to divide from their kids in order to enjoy parts of their, their vacation, right? I have not yet been willing to do this. Can you share a little bit about your experience with using resort or hotel-based childcare and, and how that worked out for you guys? Sure, sure. So we have actually used, made use of the kids club at, at, at a resort and we've actually done babysitting in the room. We've done both, which is, is beyond the question. That. So who sets that up? The concierge or the the front desk? Well, yeah. So my experience with that, the concierge w often will have a list of area babysitters. My guess is for liability reasons, they actually don't have the hiring. But what it is, is usually local daycares that have people that will come and will babysit in the room, which there is a part of me for sure if i was listening to be like you're nuts some <laughs> random person in a different place came and and in your room watched your kids did i get to vet them as much as the babysitter would i do it with an infant no i wouldn't i don't think i would do it with an infant i don't my kids at the time though when i used the babysitter in the room they were eight almost seven and almost four. So, and they were together. So that, that definitely factored into the decision of using the, the, the babysitter. I looked at the options there. They, you know, I checked out the, the business, the, the, the woman was coming from and 
I felt comfortable. There was that we were in a resort. We weren't going to be that far from them. They were going to be in the room. We set clear guidelines on how we, we were going to do it. And you know, I think it was like thirty dollars an hour, so it wasn't cheap. But she came with a bag of tricks. She did face paint in the room, which my kids loved. And I'm sure the, the you know after and then she put them into bed with the face paint on. So the poor housekeeping. But I guess that wasn't my problem. I mean, I looked like a extra tip because you know we were like here's the pillowcase with my child's face all over it but so so we have we've done that and we've also done the kids club one time one place had it we only left them we left them there a couple hours again same thing you know it was a check-in check-out situation it was at the hotel we were going to stay at the hotel uh or at the resort you know i mean it was it was it was like a marriott so it's not you know like we're but we the kids club it was it was nice it was it was it was clean it wasn't the reason why you know i, I say where we were it wasn't like it was disneyland for kids or disney world there was it it was it was a perfectly good babysitting room. There was a little bit of stuff for them to do, but it was novel. And that they that is the place they want to go back to the most. Why? Because of the kids' club. I think they spent a grand total of two hours in this kids' club. They got chocolate chip cookies. There were like dittos for them to color in. And I'm probably dating myself with dittos, but they, you know, that they, they colored in. They did fuse beads, the ironing beads. Oh yeah. Essential. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's and that was, their favorite I mean, part of the trip. That's what they wanted to go oh, back and do. They want, they need to go back there to do that, you know. And, and if I could go to Michael's and buy fuse beads, it would not nearly be the same experience. But what did it, you do? It, what did you do when you left the kids there? Where did you go? <laughs> did you go back to the room? Did you go to the? No. What did so you do? The, so the Marriott. All right. So the Marriott. We put them in the kids' you didn't club. Make because... there. <laughs> no, I know. I'm only I wish I had a better story. We were at the hotel because it was a timeshare and we had to go sit through our like, here's your timeshare thing so that we could get the really good rate on the hotel. So that's what we did. We put them in there so we could get uh, we got some ridiculously low rate because we sat through the timeshare. But that's a whole other topic. But I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> what did you do? And I'm like, oh damn, I don't have a good story. We did timeshare demonstration. Like we, we could have done other stuff. Next time you go back, now you can use the kids club and you can go do something fun because you've yeah. you've had that experience once. You know what to expect. You know the yeah. kids will be positive about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so here I, I think they will. But I, but the funny thing is about memory. I don't know that I could ever, the reality of that particular kids club would ever match their, their memory of it. So I think I would do far better to go to a completely different kids club that was novel because it, and we have no intention to go back to that particular place. You know, if we did, we did. But right. I, I don't know if my if their memory of it would be as as good as as what the reality is because their memory. Well, and their memory is working in my favor because now kids clubs are a great place to go and it was a fantastic experience and. Now I can use it and say, hey, it's got a kids club, you know, and maybe mom and dad can actually go get a dinner, you know, which is actually what we did for babysitting. We, that, the babysitting, it was, I was on a business trip and brought the family. So Wade had taken the time off from work and was with the kids. He, he went and did a whole bunch of other stuff, but I had a really, I had a dinner that night where spouses could come and it was more, and I'm sure people who have gone on business, like business travel is pretty good sometimes. And I knew it was going to be a good dinner, not something that he would normally get to do. And the guilt I would feel to be like, but hey, I'm going over to the Ritz Carlton for dinner on someone else's dime. And, but, you know, make sure you get the kids in bed and, you know, you enjoy that burger and fries. So that's why we did the babysitting and we, and we, we did, we went off to, um, actually it was a, it was a neighboring hotel but again I, I you know I, I i checked everything out along the way you take a deep breath you're like listen i put my kids in daycare i only have so much control there too right you know if you've ever put your kids in daycare most of the time the different workers are coming back and forth from different rooms and you're like who are you i don't know who's you know you have a general idea of, but you have to have some faith in the organization and you have to make your peace with it. You know, you have to create a general environment where you know that they're, they're going to be safe and you vet those things. Then the individual experience, you have to just be like, okay, you know, if, if they're, as long as they're safe, and they're not in danger, hopefully have a good time. But, you know, the safety and security, as long as, you know, you're meeting safety and security. And, and we talked through what, what was going to happen. And there was some anxiety that we had to work through and how we would get through that. And that, but, but yeah, that's so, so yes, we have done it. We've, we've done it on two different occasions. 
What I would say is, in thinking about that, I think part of it, you know, safety and security, once you're comfortable with that, that yes, it is safe, yes, it is secure. And making use of it, make use of some kind of anticipation. So create some anticipation for the kids club, right? You're not dropping them off there. Do some research on what it's going to be like. That's what I did, especially with the babysitter. Like I I found out what were some of the activities and and I knew that she was going to come with face painting. And that was, that was the anticipation. I mean, there was nervousness. Absolutely. And we had to talk about that a little bit, but, oh, you're going to get to do this and you have to sell it and you have to create the magic. Like you're going to have this and mom and dad are going to be there and it's going to be fine. And you know, you fake, honestly, as a parent, right, you're, you're faking it till you make it. And, but you have to instill that. And I think you, you do have to hear some of the nervousness that they have you absolutely, but you can't let that overwhelm them either because it's an unknown. And until they get through it, they won't know. And so you have to anchor them to what they will know. You, you know, you like face painting, you know, this room, we've been in this room. Um, you know, all of these other things, you, you know, each other, you're together. If, if that's, you know, if, if you have more than one child and I'd be interested hearing from parents who've had to do it when they don't have that security of leaving your children in mass with somebody. So that's a completely different. Yeah. That that's, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? I think that I'm intrigued by the idea of having some grown up time on a trip or vacation. I love my kids, but like you said, you're always the leader. You're always anticipating, planning, thinking about contingencies. And there are some things that developmentally the kids aren't ready to explore or experience. And maybe I just want to sit on the beach at night in the quiet. <laughs> I can't do that when I have kids. I want kids to take up space and make noise and experience all of their energy. And so that takes away some of what I need as an adult, which is some of that tranquility. And so the thought of having somebody watch my kids while I seek out some tranquility on my trips really is appealing to me. And I think that knowing that I've had many, 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 many experiences of leaving my children with babysitters and daycares at this point in my life, I think I could do it, you know, now. But it would have been hard. It would have been hard earlier on. Sure. Isn't that like the first part? Like it's the next stage. I'd never done it before. The first time is a, l- a little nerve wracking. And I am glad that I had the kids club experience before I did the babysitter because it's a step up and, I, and for my own comfort, much like that first trip with your child, you know, in the hotel room, you just, you need practice with it. You need to know what to expect, know what to experience and how to improve upon the last experience, what works, what didn't work, what you'd look for the next time. And you could read, you know, 85 different books on the topic, hear other experiences, and you have stuff definitely to take from that. And hopefully people will take from this, you know, some of our shared experiences. But the reality is until you do it for yourself, there is going to be an unknown factor. You are the one who are going to have to deal with your feelings on it. You're going to have to be the one to walk your kids through it for the first time and, you know, start small you know, just start small, you know, don't leave them. If it's, if it's a problem, a lot of those, those kids clubs, it's a very small experience to start, you know, leave them for 15 minutes. If they like, you know, leave them for a half an hour and don't overdo it that first trip. You know, don't, if it, if you think it's going to be an issue, unless there's no way to avoid it, don't leave them for hours where they don't know where to find you. Because then that's um, definitely anxiety provoking, and it makes it, you know, start with it, give them an early success so you can build upon that. <laughs> I like is what that I, idea. Is what I think. So it's amazing. We're friends. I could talk to you all day. But <laughs> that's how this works. That's how we to spend the... seven hours on a Sunday chatting over the stuff. Yes, we're at the... Absolutely. But we've got better family travel tip time. And Kathleen, you have a tip for better family travelers. Travel today. Go out the door right now, tomorrow. If you're out, if it's Saturday morning and you're having your coffee and you're ready to think of something fun to do today, this is what you're going to do today. You're going to download the Geocache app and you're going to not pay for it. I mean, you can. Paying for it gives you additional access to other treasures in the woods, but you can do lots with even the free version of the Geocache app. If you've heard of letterboxing, which was the old school original version of all this, um, you're looking for little treasure boxes that people have hidden in the woods, and they're in your neighborhood, I can almost guarantee you. There's even one at the Margaritas in East Hartford in Connecticut, like right next to the building. There's one in the Coles parking lot in Wyndham. There in the woods, they're in public places. There is an adventure to be had with your kids anywhere you go. And what's fun about these things is there's a clue and you use a GPS and it tells you when you're within about 30 feet 
of this treasure box and it gives you a description of what you're looking for. You're looking for a film canister, which then of course leads you into a beautiful educational conversation with your children about what film is, right? <laughs> so there's a film canister that you're looking for that's hidden somewhere, or it's a Lysol wipes box, or it's a Tupperware container. It'll give you some clue of what shape container you're looking for. But the idea is that you bring something to leave and you can take something. So the kids love this because they're like, I get to take home some piece of something. I don't know. It's usually like a rubber frog or a ring or a pencil or something. Sometimes there's a spoon that somebody left from a travel that they had far away. There's either treasure or there's trash. You never really know what's in there. It tells you when the last time the treasure was found. So you're, you can vet for yourself and your family, whether it's likely that you'll find the treasure or you won't find it. The airline trails locally, the, all those rail trails that are in Connecticut along all the blue blaze trails uh, and you're in the state that you're in, uh, look for any of the parks and rec areas, your local playground, all of those places, someone will have tucked away a little treasure and they're called geocaches. The other thing you might want to look up is letterboxing, which is a stamp. And so some kids really love this whole thing where you have your symbol, you pick a rubber stamp that's who, rep, what, what represents you. So if you're a really sunny kid or you love the beach, you're going to pick a sun or a seashell. Or if you love horses, you're going to pick a pony, trains, you get the idea. So you pick a rubber stamp that represents you and you stamp it in the notebook that's in the woods and you put your date on it. And then in your notebook, you take the stamp that's in the box and you say, I've acquired this stamp, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of like a travel, it's an early experience to passporting, right? Where you get the stamp for all the places that you've been. It's a really great way to experience your local parks, trails and playgrounds and areas to talk about maps and about GPS. You can walk out your door right now and travel with your family and have a really, really fun treasure hunt right away. <laughs> the elephant is a room is we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like that's right. just the truth. If you're listening to this and, and we've been talking about all of this stuff, we are very much, you know, at home. We, we talked about, touched on it briefly at the beginning of the episode. My kids are fully remote learning. Kathleen's kids are in and out, depending on if the schools are open. The schools have sent an email saying, be prepared more likely than not we're going remote. So you need to be prepared for this. So in this environment where there's so much uncertainty and, you know, booking that trip in the future may not be in your comfort zone right now. I mean, I'll be honest, it's not in my comfort zone. I'm not ready for that kind of travel. I miss it. And so finding those local places, those little ways to incorporate what we value about travel into the current situation that we find ourselves in is key. And the, the tip you gave Kathleen, I think it is really helpful. And I have a confession. I have not ever done either one of those things. And I wasn't 100% sure what geocaching was uh, when you told me about that this was something that, and I know you've invited us to go geocaching before. I figured I would figure it out when we went, but I've never done it. But it does sound pretty interesting. And even the letterboxing, that passport stamp is similar to what the national parks do. And I can't go to a national park right now. I can't, you know, we have people in our family who have some issues with health going on and we have to be very careful that we can still interact with them. So we are very much limiting ourselves even more than what anything else is imposed upon us. But, but there are the woods of amazing. We're gonna offer yeah. we're gonna offer lots of local suggestions. The travel today tip at the end of our segments, at the end of our podcast, hopefully we will be able to give people what you can do right now today type of suggestions sure. because there is a lot that we can do and we don't need to stop experiencing and learning and traveling just because we're kind of stuck within our immediate environment. There's a lot to do. I can't think of a better way, honestly, to end than that today. <laughs> and so for Better Family Travel, I'm Amy DeCesare. I'm Kathleen Monroe. Better Family Travel is proud to be part of the CMG Podcast Network. Be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for past episodes and over 30 different podcasts in a wide range of genres. And make sure to check out our website at betterfamilytravel.com for the latest tips, trends, experiences, and adventures. And make sure you follow Better Family Travel on social media at Better Family Travel.